Yo, my guy, I got a question for y'all. Would y'all sign up and use like Twitter if you had to verify your identity, if you couldn't hide behind a fake alias? I would be a troll. I'd be an asshole. You'd still troll. So that's the whole point is yeah. to eliminate you trolls. Still troll? Yeah. Knowing that everybody would troll. How? But what you, if you, well, now your job is going to know that you troll. Oh. Like he's saying, if you had to oh. verify with your passport, your address, oh. and say, yo, this yeah, is so like when people, no, when people talk crazy and they're like, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill your family, we can know who's saying that. Oh, that would be nice. They should do that a lot. Because troll culture is like a thing now, bro. People are like, it's like normal now, especially on TikTok. Do you think people are going to use it though? I feel that's like, the yeah. thing. A lot of people like the fact that they can just hide behind the veil of anonymity. And say I don't whatever think people the are going to use it. I think people are going to not use it at all. Like so it then, wouldn't even be an attractive platform. So then, then you have to ask yourself, what is Twitter? Mm. What is what? social media about? What is at the end media? of the day, everyone's showing like a fake facade of who they are, right? Cap. Then imagine if you had to like also put your net worth and everything. Like it's just there's nah, like a that's, set. That's, that'd that's be a crazy. Little, that's a little too this much. Sounds, this sounds like a that's Black Mirror episode. Right? <laughs> Oh that's that's goodness. that's the IRS would be very interesting. At that interested point, it'd that. be like no cap on the internet. No cap on the internet. That it wouldn't be. A, it wouldn't be a fun place. Yo, yeah. do you think depression would be higher than it is now? If everyone Absolutely. saw, oh, yeah. actually, you know what? It might be a little less. Or like, if you had to, this would be hard to do. But if you had to verify every claim that you made on social, so, so if you like post like a fact car, checking? yeah, if you post a car, like an AI, there's an AI program, and like if somebody posts a car. And they're like, just bought a new car, but it's a rental. The AI goes in and just like, is like, nah. That car's registered nah, to Abbas. Nah. <laughs> yeah, that car's yeah, registered to Abbas. <laughs> this, this post is not verified by our AI program. Nah, I, I'm in cybersecurity. There's a lot of personal identified information that would it'd get very, very messy. It would be terrible to very do. Very legally messy. So you're in cybersecurity. This guy's in tech. This might be a tech wow. episode. Hell no. Ryan trying to talk about tech. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> you, are you trying to run away from tech? Like, do you enjoy it as a job? Like, if you didn't have to do it as a job and you got paid elsewhere, would you still do it? No. Mm. I like what it allows me to do, mm. but no. That's a dope-ass answer. Because I know a lot of people that cap. Right. Oh, oh my I God, love, I love I my love job. numbers, bro. Yeah. No, I, I like what, what I it do. allows me to do, but, you know, alhamdulillah, in the DMV area, you know, cybersecurity is a very, yeah. it's always growing. We have federal and, and commercial clients no matter where you go. So it's a, it's a great industry to be in, in, in the place that I'm in. And, but now with jobs being like all remote and stuff, does it even matter where you live? Mm-hmm. COVID hey did man, that for a lot of people. Let's introduce this amazing yeah. guest that has so many mashallah accolades. Mashallah, Welcome back mashallah. to Ghost Talk. It's Hamza the Truth. It's your boy Muhammad Sharif. And today um, we have Fuad with us, um, homegrown immigrant, a lot of a lot of goes by a lot of different names, but he does a lot of amazing things, mashallah. Um, we did have some issues with our sound, but I'm glad we caught it. So we're hopping we back into it, you guys. Yeah, we're happy. We're hopping back into it right I now. Like That's the most awkward conversation to have. Like, yo, we had an amazing conversation. It was a dope time. Mm-hmm. The audio wasn't working. We didn't get any. That of it. So, it's all, hey man, minor setbacks with major comebacks. Major That's all comeback. it is. Indeed, indeed. So you talked a little bit about um, the DMV. Um, and like see, living there and working there, what what was it like growing growing up there as a Somali kid? So the DMV experience. So I was born and raised there. I stayed there from the age of about ten, and then my mom wanted us to live in Egypt. So from ten to fifteen, we lived in uh, Cairo. Mm-hmm. And I came back um, my senior year of high school. But um, so I would say like my first ten years, and then afterwards, living in America in the DMV as a Somali, our experience is is more akin and more aligned to just a general foreigner experience just because, well, VA has more numbers of Somalis than we do in Maryland, but, you know, because we don't have that constant reinforcement of Somali Nimo from, like, extended family, from general community members, and, you know, we don't live in a city. Mm-hmm. We have a very, it's, it's very suburban. Yeah. So it's just your home, you go to school, you go to your masjid, that's really it. You don't have a lot of times where, like, you have big numbers of con- people congregating. You yeah. know what I mean? So you don't have those opportunities where, you know, you go to a Somali maqayad, there's a Somali tournament, yeah. there's, you know, constant events and culture that's, you know, being introduced to you from a young age and cultivated in you. Unless your immediate household is very strong with the Somali identity and culture, more often than not, you're going to know that you're Somali, but, like, all your boys in school are going to be black, yeah. all your boys on your team are going to be black, 
And so you're just going to know that you're Somali, but your experience is very much aligned to the general African-American experience from an, from the outside looking in, not from the inside looking how does out. That, how does that work with the community of just being close? Like if you saw a Somali person versus seeing like a middle person bro i'm hype different huh? i'm hype. <laughs> hype i'm hype bro i so um before covid i yeah. have to work in in dc like like five minutes away from the white house and anytime i would take the train to go downtown anytime i would see anyone that remotely looks somali i could be on this side of the train and they could be on that side of the train Nigga, i'm walking all the way over i'm introducing myself yo what's going on do you live here where do you work let's get together like you just have such a sense of pride yeah where it's like here in minnesota it's, it's normal yeah there's the, like, you don't bat an eye you know what i mean it's, but it's, yeah no you definitely you have that sense of pride when you see a fellow somali or shoot you, they might not even be somali mm -hmm. you might come up to them and be like oh i'm habisha mm -hmm. You're like hey man close enough there's a lot of habishas too in, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a lot the, of ethiopians in, in a lot Indian. of ethiopians Are you guys, is it like how the, let's just say you see a somali person like when you're growing up and there's fights happening right like how that like, here there's a lot of infighting right so my people always fight each we other we don't have that concept bro we don't, don't have, have that. that no we don't have that dynamic it's not enough for them to do that <laughs> exactly bro you know you know what our criteria is if you call your mom hoya you're somali that's all we care about like we don't that's the bar nothing kabil mm. no family no you know cities none of that we also talked about this you said we know the, the somali people there especially in the dmv area are generally like have been here a lot longer than let's just Minnesota for example. Yeah, on average. Yep. Growing up in a community where like a lot of the older people have been there and done it, right? Mm -hmm. Just in, engraved in the society. Right. How was that? Like your I, mom's been through college, right? Yeah, yeah. My mom, my dad for I think it was a, a certain amount of time. I would say it really just I think the biggest impact that you can see is um, the bar at, and the standard that it sets when it comes to education. Mm-hmm. Right. So like vast majority of the people in the DMV are college educated. It's very rare for you to find somebody that's just finished high school and it's just kind of like that's that's really it. So having a bachelor's is like the absolute minimum than having the master's and going for your PhD is is that's what is kind of what's to be expected. Are they comfortable? Like I feel like the more educated someone is, the more open minded they are to like the arts. For sure. So for sure. are they way more accepting of just like you doing, like when you got into, like you do comedy, how was she when, <laughs> when she heard that, hey, I want to start doing comedy? My mom? Yeah. Bro, my mom was like, you're not funny, so I don't know why you're doing comedy. <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness. Number one, she's like, you're not naturally funny. Why are you doing comedy? My mom, my mom, like I love Hoya. My mom is not a fan of my writing. My mom is not a fan wow. of, of the content that I create. Not on a hater, not like, not on being some type of hater stuff, but yeah. She just can't connect with it because she's such a closed person. She's yeah. such a private person. So to her, it's like, why would you put your deepest, darkest things out for the whole world to see? Mm -hmm. She can't fathom that. You know what I'm saying? So that's where it comes from. She's like, I don't really like, I can't connect with it. I'm a grown man now. She can't say anything about it. Yeah. You so know? I'm old as <laughs> right? she, can't, she can't be like, you know, stop doing it. She can't that. be like, stop doing it. But she's not like. I'll be honest, I wouldn't say she's like my number one fan. And I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times people, they want the people closest to them to give them that validation. Yeah. And sometimes you have to be okay with the fact that that might not come from them. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that they love you any less or any more. It's just they just might not see the value in what you're doing and, and the passion of, of the passion that you have in that, in that art or that task or that hobby. Yeah. So growing up did like not being cuz for me my Somali identity and just the Somali community that I grew up around mm -hmm. deeply influenced my art in any sort of art that I wanted to do. Uh and it was alhamdulillah very much cultivated by that uh by that community that I have what it will it be you know events, open mics, all these different things that pushed me to become better and better and better and compete with other Somali artists and whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. Did did that have an effect on your art or like how you expressed your art? So um, I got into art very late. Like I just started, I've, I was always good at writing growing up. I never pursued it um, beyond school, beyond like school writing. I was a bookworm growing up. I loved reading. Um, when I moved to Egypt, I found like my friends really weren't really into reading like that. So my love of reading kind of grew less and less. Then I went back into it, I'd say, like, as I was finishing college, um, started getting into writing. Um, and I would say 
honestly, my upbringing, so like my family upbringing, I don't really have a, I didn't have a lot of male uh, influences mm-hmm. growing up in terms of like from my uncles and from my dad's side and, and things of that nature. So in a way, I was kind of shielded from a lot of the the negative stereotypes and the negative ways of thinking that you can kind of be accustomed to just kind of like taken in by osmosis when mm-hmm. you're around uh, people that are not like that just want to perpetuate just bad stereotypes yeah you know what i mean and so i think not being exposed to that helped me be more comfortable in being different helped me be more comfortable in like you know standing out and not being afraid to go against the grain like i've always been like that i've always been a person that can take risks and i wasn't afraid to like fail I wasn't afraid to 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 go against the norm. You know, I actually came across an amazing quote and it said, if you're not comfortable with being bad at something, then how could you ever consider yourself to be a successful person? Mm. If you're not sure. comfortable with failing and you're not setting yourself up to fail, then how could you ever be a person that can be successful? in the future like failing is the key to future success especially when you can use those failures to strengthen the areas that you're weak in so that's kind of the the, and the mentality that i have it is like okay i know guys are not comfortable talking about their emotions yeah not comfortable talking about a divorce they're not comfortable talking about being a single father they're not comfortable talking about you know heartbreak and things of that sort so it's like okay i'm secure in myself i don't really care what somebody else is going to have to say, their opinion is not going to impact me. But I also have to be aware that not everybody thinks that way. Not everybody is brought up to where it's they're comfortable enough to say, yeah, I can stand on my own two feet and say, I went through this. Now what? Mm. So. Wow. We, we get quiet a lot because we just soak it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me and me and Hamza are really good listeners. If you guys, I can tell. <laughs> I, I, can, I, I can definitely tell. Mashallah, you do definitely have a lot of wisdom and a lot to say, and and I and I appreciate that a lot. Are you, you trying know? to say I'm old? You know, in a way, yeah. I make fun you of. See how I caught that, right? I make yeah, fun of. Yeah. Uh, I make see, fun of this way. guy a lot for that. Um, I like doing old. that. Though. I'm always around. I'm trying to age time. well, man. I'm 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 You're always around. I'm trying to age well. You you are. I appreciate that. Yeah, mashallah. He's not doing as well as you are. <laughs> what you mean? Uh, but this I'm always around. He catches doing, strays for no yo, reason. Yo, wait. So let's get into comedy real quick. That's a that's a great so, segue. Let's do great no, because listen, listen. Because he's trying to just hear him out. He's trying to get me You've to done stand up before. Right. How hard is stand up? It's very very hard, bro. It's Thank probably you. the it's probably the hardest form of performative art out there, Amazing. hands down. Thank how you. how was it your first time on stage? Man, I was nervous. Oh my god, because I'm a, I'm a stand up fan. Like, I'm from Maryland. Uh-huh. I don't know if y'all know Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. is from Silver Spring, Maryland. Yeah, my hometown. So no way. Me, yeah. Wow. So he the goat. Does he regardless. still? Does he actually live there? Like, no, he lives in Ohio. Ohio. That's the small are you, town. Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you? Are you over there? Like, yeah. Are you? Are, are you fact check that? Because he like, talks yeah. about how he lives in a small town and like yep, how he's just like a regular there. So. Yep. So man, like I'll, I'll never forget. Actually, I have it in my house in my home office. I have an original copy of the Chappelle Show season two, mm-hmm. one disc one, disc two, and the bonus ones. This is before your time where we had to watch <laughs> stuff on you know DVDs. Yeah. I don't know if you know what a DVD. No, is. I've I have not come across those yet. <laughs> Just streaming, youngins. Yeah, youngins. So that was my first kind of introduction to stand up skit comedy, comedy in general. Mm. And so from that point on, bro, I just loved what comedy could do. And like, not to get too deep, but like comedy was a very good coping mechanism for myself when I was just going through a lot of the things that I went through kind of like in my mid to late 20s. Mm. I always say to myself, sometimes you got to laugh to keep from crying. And it's really true. Like if someone can make you laugh, you never know what that person is really going through, like what kind yeah. of day they had. But the fact that you can like, you know, bring a smile to their face and, and, and lift their mood and, and make them laugh. Like there's no, there's, there's very few things that are that match that in terms of like feelings. But yeah, stand up is extremely hard. The reason why I brought it up, first you're into comedy, you've done stand up. But this man right here wants to be on a wants to do a comedy show. Okay. Without practicing, without putting in the work, without researching it heavily, and he thinks he can go on stage and make laughs. None of that. Do you have any advice for him? None of that is true. <laughs> 
<laughs> he wants yourself. me. Okay. <laughs> he thinks I'd be good at it. So he wants me to go and try no. stand up. Okay, let me give you this. Me growing up, I'll be honest, I was very shy. Mm-hmm. I was extremely shy. I think I'm still I'm in, I'm I'm comf- I'm an introvert. I'm an extroverted introvert if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I was never the class clown. Never a person that could make people laugh. What I do is like, I'm very good at impressions. I'm very good at doing impersonations. I can yeah. mimic accents and things like that. And I feel like I have a witty sense of humor. Yeah. Right. But I say that to say, just because like, if you are a class clown or you're not a class clown, if you're a person that can make people laugh, that doesn't necessarily mean that you won't be good at stand up. Mm-hmm. You just have to really understand your style, mm-hmm. your delivery, um, you know, how to build up to jokes, how to deliver the punchline, how to do callbacks, you know, how to manage the crowd. Um, you know, how not, how to be relatable because if it, it could be, you could have the greatest joke in your world, in your mind, but if it's, if you can't relay that message, if the people can't connect with it, you're going to get crickets. Have you ever bombed? Yeah, absolutely. How was it? Like, like how did it start? Like, just walk us through that entire session. Yeah, all right. Like, you gotta know. <laughs> so the number of the, okay, the, I actually bombed recently. I think the last, the last open mic that I did, I went to an open mic in DC and my, I made a rookie mistake. You always got to read the room. Mm-hmm. I ain't read the room. I didn't understand who was in the audience. Mm. And so my jokes and material came across as very offensive to oh. the majority of the group. And so here I am like building up to a joke and building it up. And then I drop the punchline. It's like crickets. So I'm like, oh, all right. And then I got to go back. And so like, let me go into some of my bag of like some, some jokes that I've done way back in the day that I know. I, I know this is surefire. Mm. But by that point, I lost the crowd. Yeah. And so I had to like cut my routine short. At least nobody ran on the stage and slapped you. That's, no. That's, 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 Although I guess <laughs> so I for guess, a second I was like, yo, what is he referencing? I guess people are going to be comfortable with that now. Hey, hey man. Then you start yeah. getting, then How do you, start how do you feel about that? As, like, as a comedian, lessons. as mm. someone who's been on the stage, do you feel like there's a, there's a threshold? I got, I got to correct you, Hamza. I would never okay. consider myself a comedian because I've, like, I respect the craft. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People put in a lot of time. People put in a lot of effort. Like they dedicate their lives to it. They go do open mics four or five times a week. Wow. Doing like, you know, third shift, like telling jokes to drunk people at two, three in the morning before they get their big break. So I would never. Shout out to all the comedians. But as someone who's done stand up, if someone has smacked you, what would you have done? Oh, if you put hands on me, I'm putting hands on you too. (laughs) Yeah. The show doesn't continue. If you're hosting the Oscars and somebody smacks you. What would you do? Then that's just a free pay-per-view event. I feel like it's a very, they, that's a they just <laughs> didn't pay for that. That's a fight that that's 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 a fight that they didn't pay for. So as a as I was a, gonna send me a bill. That's what I was right. Do you think <laughs> do you think that that's that joke was smack worthy? Ooh, uh see the funny thing is he was laughing at the joke before. I'm saying. And then he very, realized who he gotta did go. Did you find it funny? Huh? I found it funny. Like, would so you find it funny just, or offended? So here's the thing. I found, I found a video. I was actually watching this video yesterday of, of this comedian that was explaining how a joke can have multiple meanings behind mm-hmm. it. Okay. So when he was talking about G.I. Jane, he was obviously mentioning her, her dress, her attire. Yeah. Obviously the fact that, you know, she was bald in G.I. Jane too. But there was a third point that I've just it's escaping my mind right now. But the moral of the story is Jokes can be taken and interpreted in many different ways, mm-hmm. right? For me, when I heard it, I just, I just, when I heard G.I. Jane 2, I just looked at the uniform. Mm. I didn't even know that she had alopecia, if I'm being real with you. I didn't know that she had like a- A lot of people didn't, you yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's when I laughed. At, I was looking at it from that perspective. You can't control what somebody takes offense to. Everyone is different. Yeah. It's just, with Will, I'm sure he was just fed up. Like he was just fed up being the butt of all jokes. Yeah. And, you know, just constantly being dragged on the internet, and he gotta he gotta go home with her. At the end of the day, he gotta he's the one that has to be in that car that 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 awkward silent car ride. And he yeah. was like, you know what, I'm not I'm not about to have that I'm happen to me. To with that. So in the DMV, are there a lot of places where you can, a lot of comedy shows where you can practice and yeah, for sure, for sure. You just <laughs> have to like have again. Yeah. You gotta acme theory. There's Acme, a, I don't know. There's one. a lot of there's a lot of comedy stores and clubs and whatever. Have you ever run a routine? Have you ever written a routine? That's I was literally gonna ask you about that. Like what goes into like there's not a routine, but there's concepts and ideas that I have. Yeah. And then there's jokes that would derive from those concepts and ideas. Okay. But like 
what I uh, what I don't understand yet is like what does like oh for example a poem for me when I'm writing a poem there's an idea there's a concept yeah. usually it's like a cluster of words yeah and what I usually do is I just write those words down to start out then I structure it from beginning middle and end and then I edit it and sometimes I rearrange it whatever but there's a there's a formula there's a there's ingredients that go into the final product of like this is the final poem here you know as a comedian or like as somebody who's done stand up like what what constitutes or like what do you do from beginning middle and end of like okay here's a joke or is it just like like what I have right now is like here's a concept I got a couple of jokes from it and then you just test out material so that's a great question so that's your writing style yeah. and sequence is very similar to my just general writing sequence so like I'm writing a novel right now mm. and I'm not actively writing it. I have kind of put it on pause for a few months. But when I do, when I'm when I turn that switch on, what I do is like you said, I sit down and I flush all of my ideas out. Yeah. I let it sit for a day. I come back to it, then I refine it, and then throughout that week, my mind is turned on. So if I think of a way to describe a setting or a scene or mm -hmm. a dialogue, I pull it out on my phone and I write it down. I'm like turned on at all times it's weird yeah, i know exactly Obviously, i know exactly what you mean yeah. my phone is near like when i take a shower my phone is literally right on side right like right on top of the toilet mm. because if something comes to my mind i can't lose it, it dry my hands write it down go, <laughs> go back yeah. so in terms of comedy all right i have a concept that i've that i want like that i've been working on that i want to try out the next time i do stand up mm. you know who i really want to fight i can't stand <laughs> these ipad babies <laughs> I'm not a violence person, <laughs> but I'm telling you, these not all iPad babies. So. Some of these, uh, the iPad babies that have manners, that are respectful, that stay, and you know they're they're gonna be in their corner. They're not gonna bother anybody. I'm talking about the ones that call their parents by the first name. <laughs> the ones that if the uh, if the charger's not there, that all hell is breaking loose in Target. Uh -huh. Those are the kids I want to fight. So that's the concept of a joke. Yeah. Now you have to think of a way. To first of all structure a flow, mm -hmm. um, make it relatable, and then an ending punchline. And at the same time, you have to understand that like you can't prolong it. You got to be able to hit it within like a minute and a half to two minutes tops. Because anything beyond that, people are gonna lose you. Wow! If you had to rate the things that you're passionate about, like what would be the the number one priority in something that you're just trying to perfect right now? Writing. What do you mean? Rank rank like ranking it so like let's just say doing comedy like stand oh up, okay like those writing things. a book novel what mm. would be the number one priority for you right now or what one thing where you're just trying to perfect i would say i would say writing is probably the last just because i know i know i'm a good writer and i mm. know that with time i'm only going to get better so that i'm not worried about stand up yes and i think also stand up the more i live the more yeah. experiences i'm going to have the more relatable I'm going to be to different types of people. And that's another thing that I know I have to actually put time in with, with writing novels. I need to make time within my day. Like I need to, you know, structure myself where I'm financially able to like be able to prioritize that during the day. Mm -hmm. Right. Set myself up to where like, I don't have to work and I can do other things. Other things can focus on funding the things that I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. But I would say the number one priority is fatherhood for me. Oh. That's something I do every day. Sure. that'll never stop so it's like fatherhood then comedy and then just writing and creating content Mashallah. that's beautiful you have a, a a video that i love very much with your son um what was that like what went into to making that video so okay that video i did last father's day yeah 2021 2020 i put a piece out um it's titled a dad with daddy issues mm -hmm. so that was really more me writing that for myself and putting closure on something that i mean even to this day i struggle with like not really having a a solid connection with my, my own father yeah and how that upbringing impacted the father that i am today so to answer your question i just wanted to do something so for my son so like he's he was five at the time he's about to be six you know 10 15 years down the road he'll be able to look at that and be like man that was that was actually really cool what me and my pops did when I was five. And then maybe, who knows, we might do another one when, you know, 10 years from now and then 20 years from now and just sit back and reflect and look at everything that's changed. So just creating memories and creating things 
you know, we always, you know, people throw these buzzwords out, creating a legacy and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, it sounds good, but you actually have to have something tangible that you can look at and be like, yeah, this is what I'm going to leave behind, mm. you know? And so giving him like, like, like we were talking offline, like, alhamdulillah, mashallah, he's very articulate and he's very comfortable expressing himself way more than I was ever at his age or even 10, 15 years, uh, you know, past the age of five. And so being able to see that in him, cultivate that in him and, and, and be the person that I never had, be the person that I wish I had and be like, look, I believe if you, we always talk about this. If you put Allah first and you work harder than anybody else, there's nothing, there's no limit to what you can accomplish. But that confidence and self-belief, it doesn't come out of, it's very, very few people that can, can, can kind of like have that from nothing, from within and, and nobody really like cultivate that. Right, but like I want him to know that I'm his first believer. Mm. No matter what it is that you do, I know you can do it. I'm gonna hold you accountable. If you're slacking, I'm gonna be like, "Yo, pick it up." I'm gonna be there, you know, because I I also don't like when parents just enable their kids and and are not honest with them because you're setting them up for failure down the road when they come across you know the real world and other people. But um, but yeah, it's just about being balanced and and just having fun with it. Like I'm a big kid at heart. Yeah. And so when we goof around, we're messing around and we're we're having fun and playing with Beyblades and watching you know watching Yo, the playoffs Bay and all of that. Blades. Like I love it because I can tap into being a kid and I don't think I will ever outgrow that. I think one thing with us is just I mean, I'm we live in Minneapolis. Yeah. And Somali Nima is very much like I feel like it's ingrained in everyday life for us. So I'll just speak for myself. Yeah. One one thing that I always find my mom in is just the fact of when you do have a child. I'll grow that. I think one thing with us is just, I mean, I'm, we live in Minneapolis. Yeah. And Somali Nima is very much like, I feel like it's ingrained in everyday day life for us. So I'll just speak for myself. Yeah. One one thing that I always find my mom in is just the fact of when you do have a child, how's the culture aspect going to be? Because mm -hmm. she's like, right? Mm -hmm. But we still like, when, when I go to K-Buck, when I'm around people that are Somali, I still have to be Somali, right? Right. And then just that came from her and being in a household where Somali was spoken, right? I mean, I speak mostly English. So in my household, I'd probably be speaking English with my kids. Mm -hmm. So how do you work with that, like, so that I, aspect? Yeah, so I understand, like, you know, the, the majority of the Somali that I speak to him is the Somali that we speak when we're outside and we don't want people to understand what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but um, but I, I do my best. Like when I go to my mom's house, I tell my mom, Hoya, just please speak to him in, in Somali. And she'll do it for two seconds. And then she'll be like, but no, Amir, what do you want? Do you want me to make mm -hmm. you this? Do you yeah. want me to do that? So, I mean, I understand like there's going to be a deficiency and I think I've accepted that. It, it sounds messed up. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be like, oh my God, you hate your own people. It's not <laughs> that I hate my own people. Yeah. I just, uh, excuse me, I just understand that I don't have the same cultural clout for lack of a better term yeah. and, and, and background and, and foundation that our parents had. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm willing. So here's the thing. You can outsource that though. There's a way that you can outsource. Not, not, not even <laughs> funny. You can outsource you can. that by you know the the communities that you're involved in. Yeah. You know, maybe traveling to Somalia, living there for like a like a summer, or mm -hmm. spending time there. You know, inshallah, hopefully we can spend time in a Muslim country, just like I did, and how Im impactful that was to me. You know, but to your point, the one thing you cannot outsource is being a parent. Mm. You can outsource a tutor, a Quran teacher, you know, whatever whatever it is that you want. But a parent, that's only your job. Can't nobody else do it for yeah, you. Yeah, alive there. So you have to parent in the best way that you want to parent your child. Because mm -hmm. your parents is going to want you to do what they thought was best. And of mm -hmm. course, they all have the great intentions. The best of intentions. They came here with nothing. And look at, alhamdulillah, how we turned out. You know what or, I'm saying? Or you could do what my parents did, which was when you enter the house, you, you're not allowed to speak anything but Somali. Otherwise, so, oh, I mean, nothing would happen. They're just like both my parents speak, like they're kind of like your your mom in the sense of like if you're talking with them on the phone, like you wouldn't be able to tell. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to tell. But like if you're going, like if I went to my house, like hey mom, like do you know where my backpack? Is? She just look at you like you speak in Chinese. <laughs> so it's like you have to speak Somali, mm -hmm. then we can talk. It's like that. That that was kind of their way of like making sure that their kids, at mm -hmm. least in a way spoke pretty pretty decent so i i think i think they did a pretty good job and then growing up where i grew up helped a lot too mm. growing up in cedar with that's my point yeah with the so, gang of somalis everywhere it's so just like i'm sure there's even people like 
similar to me where we're speaking like my mom speaks to us in somali mm. and we understand somali i'm just not that's not the first thing i'm gonna speak yeah if i have a choice yeah you know what i'm saying that's all of us i mean that's yeah yeah, we, yeah. We are i'm all not gonna be able to articulate myself in somali the same way i can in english mm-hmm. but do, can your son like understand it as much as you understand it no not yet nah not definitely yet. not i'd say he's probably like at maybe 30 percent mm. so this is this is just a conversation i guess anyone most people have at home it's just when your son has his own sons right? yeah of course like, it's like gonna how be do less you think is of, it gonna get the window are you gonna of course unless he decides to like yo we're gonna spend some time in somalia but how much control another the 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 other side of that is like how much control do you have of that over that of like my my grand my grandkids the mm. amount of somali they speak i will like make sure that the, yeah that's like, true I mean, there's not what can you do other I, than i feel like you can do a lot though like you, like like you just said you can outsource right you can make sure that it doesn't die down with you right that's true you can make sure that you like it's easy for us to just say yo well, like it's not up to us right yeah but at the end of the day well i like it is up to us but what do you value that's we all make like, time for what we value yeah so if that's something that you truly value you will make the time you will make the money you'll, you'll do the effort so if it's not something you don't like i mean alhamdulillah I, my arabic is better than my somali i understand somali 100 mm-hmm. but i speak arabic slightly better than i speak somali mm-hmm. and so like that's helped me like we were talking about with the memorization of the quran and like that's something that i know i'm going to have a big hand inshallah in like passing down to him and inshallah the future children that i have is that the the the, the knowledge of the quran and then hopefully the understanding of it mashallah yeah i feel like that's dean first of yeah. course culture though i don't know Culture I mean, is ever just, changing, though. But it's I, ever changing. But I also feel like there's just that that innate thing in us where it's just, and this is, I guess, this is me just being Somali in Minneapolis, where I still feel wholeheartedly connected to another community. Yeah, like if I go to Texas or if I go to freaking California, right, and I'm with a bunch of people that aren't Somali, I I can culture switch where I'm just like, yo, I'm American first, right? Yeah. But the fact of just like I don't feel out of place when I'm here. But it's huge. Here's a here's the thing. Here's a beautiful thing about Somali Nemo. It's not um, a monolith in terms of just being language, mm-hmm. right? One of the beautiful things that I love about Somali Nemo is that no matter where you are on the face of the earth, if you see an older Somali lady, mm-hmm. that could be your Hoya, your Edo, your Ayeya, there's something in you that's gonna help them, as if that's your Hoya. Doesn't matter what's oh, going. I on. understand that, but like for one example, is that exact same thing. We were coming back from London, yeah. right? And we were coming to the States. And there was this Somali mama that was, like, she spoke, like, French, right? Like, she was, like, from France. And her fa- whole family was from France. And her kids spoke only French. They didn't speak Somali. Mm-hmm. And they were having issues with the boarding agent lady, right? So she saw me, and she was like, oh, right? Like, yaawi. And then you speak a lot more Somali than I do, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, of course, this is my mom. I'm going to help her, right? Right. We ourselves had an issue speaking because I didn't speak that well of Somali. Mm. So it was like, at that moment, I was just like, damn, like I questioned my entire Somali. <laughs> you know, it was just like, I'm just like these other people that are walking around you. Like it literally, it hit me. Like it actually like was a point where it's just like, damn, like I got to okay, go learn it. But what if, what if you're a person who spoke fluent Somali, but you walk right by her? Are you more, is your Somali name stronger? Oh. You get what I'm saying? It's not just, mm. language is important. But language. it's not the only thing that's the measuring stick of a Somali. So what you, I like this because th- there's a there's a thing my dad always says, and it speaks to what the both of you guys are saying. He's saying that the culture and the customs are more not more important, but just as important. Yeah. And you're saying you're saying I'm the saying language both are important. The language is important. My dad always says language is the key to culture. So for you to open that that door of, of culture and that's your dakhan right and that whole world. The language has to be there so that you can get into it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But if you have no interest, like he said, if you walk right past it, if you have no interest in the dakhan and the culture, the language don't mean nothing. You could be fluent in Somali and like not care about Somali people. Yeah, and yeah. It, but what I like you also said though, it is up to the individual, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, the culture, like you don't, if you don't want to just carry that Somali, if it's a burden to you, right? And you're just yeah. like, yo, it's just, I'm an American. I was born and raised here. You don't really need to, but I'm just saying as a person mm-hmm. who loves it, loves the culture, who's, who's, grown in it who's understood how important it is in my life and how my parents cherished it i want to carry that on to my children for sure you have to know where you come from to know where you're going mm. that's without a doubt facts right he's been in bars facts nah, nah i'm sure somebody else said that nah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but no i mean even myself like i came into 
loving Somali culture much later on in life. My first time in Minnesota was 2019. Wow. I was like, man, yo, this this place is great, you know? Yeah. And and just like now how social media opens, you have you can connect with Somalis like, bro, I went to Umrah. I saw one of a guy that I'm very close with on social media. I met him over there at Umrah. Wow. That would have never happened before. You know what I'm saying? Do you, is that again with the Somali and I just love it cuz we we are all Somali, right? Yeah. Do you feel like it's easier to connect to like Somali like people who are doing things just because of Somali? Is it an easier way to get into the door? Oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah. like if you're into poetry and you're like, yo, I really want to start getting better at my craft, and then there's open mics, and they hit you up and they just hit send you a DM like, yo, I'm a young Somali person from Mankato. I like to come up. Do you feel like it's easier for you to accept them? Oh yeah, not not only easier, but I, I wouldn't speak for other people, but I would choose them over anybody else just because they're and it's messed up it's, it's not like the right thing to do but like i'm drawn to them more mm-hmm. than i would say other people and that's just how i was raised and i, I don't think it's really being messed up it's just you want to give an opportunity to someone who you know i, I like you can see yourselves in their mm-hmm, shoes exactly you know what i mean yeah like you like yo i see myself as that younger that younger kid like i know what it was you know that's why like i really like mentorship because it comes easy. Like I know, I know what a 15 and 16, 17 year old Somali boy is going through. That's yeah. not connected to his dad. Cause that was me. And so like, I can see him and I can hear all of his anger and his rage and his frustration and his self doubt and his insecurity and be like, yo, you got it dog. You just got to like, like, let me help you be the best version of yourself because not that I'm any better than you. I've just been through it. So I know what to do and what more importantly, what not to do. I feel like that's huge. Cause while I like growing up, there wasn't many of us that that went through it. like our parents were first like you just you're a homegrown immigrant that whole idea that whole yeah. ideology is just something new right so the fact that you went through it and now you can speak on it mm-hmm. i feel like our youth in a in a better place mm-hmm. and that accessibility thing it's a beautiful beautiful thing that like as somali people we really need to take more advantage of but i i love that the fact that like Oh, I'm Somali. You're Somali. Like, ah, like I was yeah. in Spain, bro, of all places. Southern Spain. I think like one of Granada or Malaga or just some random city in Spain. And like, I was, I saw like Somali people, bro. And immediately, imagine just being surrounded by Spaniards, not even black people. There's no other black people. It's just Spaniards. And it's your boys. And then you just see a Somali nigga. You're like, oh, Somali. And That's then boom, it. now y'all friends. Y'all know each other exchange social media yeah, inviting him over to, for yeah. dinner and helping him go to the airport everything bro when i was coming back from kenya i sat next to a somali old head and like we just immediately connected we're just talking about life we're talking about you know he's married he has kids giving me advice on all of that i'm asking him questions like the flight went by so fast but like again I, I, I can't speak for other people, but I don't know if you can have that kind of connection if it was me and like some random Adan guy. You know what I mean? Or if yeah. it's me and some random Asian guy. Whatever it may be, it's like, maybe it's not there. There's just not that many things in common. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very interesting, but it's also, it's very natural. And so my view, there's not a lot of us. It might seem like there's a lot of us because we were so loud and we're like <laughs> everywhere. Well, that is not. It's like max 18 to 20 million, I would say. Like throughout the world, right? Yeah. There's more. Aren't there more Somalis outside of Somalia than within Somalia? I would. I, I would. Mm, we see. That's why we need. Maybe a fact it's close. Person. Yeah, we need somebody. Actually, no. That that sounds messed up. I don't think that's. <laughs> let me. Let me. Maybe stop. it's close. I know it's Somali. It's between Somalia and Afghanistan in terms of the largest amount of wow of people like from that country. Yeah. From that ethnicity that are that don't live in their country. Wow. It's not. Uh, that wouldn't be crazy. There's a, there's, you know, there's a, there's an ayah in the Quran. Um, we got a fact check person. Whoa, we only actually have 15. We have 15 million in Somalia. 15 million. Total? Is it total or in Somalia? Or is that in Somalia? How many Somalis are in the world? Wow, it is. It's 15 million. And so how many live in Somalia? I think like about 7 million in Somalia? Yeah, 7.8. So yeah, you were close though. That's yeah, right. So yeah, just 7. about. 8. There's just a, There's just as many Thank Somalis. You. Ayub, a fact checker guy. <laughs> There's just it's as many Somalis in Somalia than there are outside of Somalia. Yeah. It's ridiculous. What You said you got into art late. What made you do that switch? Bro, honestly, I never even saw myself as an artist or like as a creative growing mm. up. It was something that like going through therapy, 
and seeing that I was good at writing and using it as a coping mechanism, I was like, man, like, okay, this is very, first of all, cathartic for me. It's helping me feel better. Um, and then I was like, if I'm going through this, I'm sure other people are going through this. And I'll be real, like, I never saw it as a big thing to put my stuff out there mm. because, like, I'd already went through the whole process. So, like, once I wrote it, that's it. Like, I kind of, like, closed that chapter. You know what I mean? Like, even now, I'll reread my stuff. I don't really get moved by it because it's like I'm not living. I'm not, I'm not in that same space anymore from a mental standpoint. And so I think that helped me be comfortable just putting it out there and sharing it and then just like, you know, having more ideas in terms of like what content to create. And, and I love fatherhood and I love, you know, reflecting on myself. So I'm sure that I can provide a perspective that's not really out there. Somebody who's Somali, who's black, who's Muslim, who's interested in being a father, who wants his best to have uh, a strong, you know, attachment to the dean. At the same time, you know, loves sports, love athletics, loves, you know, doing stuff that's just out of the ordinary stand up comedy you know so just trying to like shed light on all of the things that make me who i am not for me but just so that other people can benefit because we only live 60 70 years man we, we're really not that guys like we we think we're that guy <laughs> let me tell you where's my camera you're not that guy you're not, not that guy and so just just trying to pay it forward and and be a resource like you said be accessible be a resource for people that are going you know that you can relate to yeah did that come after like did you have a career before like, career. like you when you're you said you were 26 when you started getting into the arts right yeah prior to that did you, did you go to school or did you have like a in, career path in terms of arts not in terms of arts but um just in, in general oh in general. yeah i mean i've been in cybersecurity since 2012 and the yeah, reason and the reason why wow. i'm asking this is because i was going through one of our comments and so one of, like I think one of the comments was like, "Do you only oh, read the negative comments? Huh? Do you only read the negative? No, we comments? read all, no, the we read comments. all of them, but yeah. the negative comments just make me laugh. Yeah, like, I just laugh. Giggle. At this point, I just laugh at them. Yeah. But it was one of the comments was like, "Yo, what's up with so many niggas and not tech. going to schools, not doing anything? All they want to do is just sit down and start a podcast, right? Mm. And then I wanted to respond with just like my credentials, you know, I was gonna hit go them all that, you know, go ahead, let them know. But I was like, why not? So I was just like, I hate the aspect of just like people thinking we just sit here and talk." Yeah. When we do, we we have like actual lives. Yeah, we and do things that we actually do, right? Hey, so yeah. that cybersecurity thing. Yeah, is it where did you? And this is this is this is me. I'm gonna speak for myself, but I want to ask you first. When you were comfortable in that position, you had a job, you had a salary, you're comfortable. Mm -hmm. When it came to terms of society, you were quote unquote successful, right? Yeah. Did you make the shift after you felt that quote unquote success, or was it before? Yeah, I think the imposter syndrome in me is never I don't ever see myself as successful in, in mm. that in that in that regards. Okay. Like I always I understand Like what is success? Define success for you then. In mm. that in that in that regard. Not having to work. Like not have like being in a position where I don't have to work. So you so you working in eight to five, making salaried probably is not success. To me, no. I understand to others, yeah, but mm -hmm. to me no. Okay. I don't see it as something, it's, it sounds messed up, I don't see it as something, like, for my, what I wanted, the, the aspirations, the goals that I have, working and having a salary is not going to help me achieve what I want to achieve. Did you ascend that, like, that thought after you attained it? I ascended, it before? That, I ascended that thought after I had started and failed my first business. I said, you know what, I can't see myself as being an employee. I know that entrepreneurship is for me. I have to take a calculated risk the next time I do start a business. But starting something, seeing it have success and seeing it fail, which is back to the whole thing of like, if, you're, if you can't see yourself being, if you're not comfortable and not being good, then how could you ever be successful? Yeah. Mm. Seeing that, like going through that failure was like, all right, bet. Like for one, I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to invest in myself, to put my own bread up and to learn from my mistakes. And so once I got a taste of entrepreneurship, and, and what that can give you because when, you know, there's no cap in, in terms of how much profit or how much revenue you can make. Mm -hmm. True. There's no cap to it. There's no limit. Mm -hmm. Not from a greedy perspective, but like no one's telling you this is, this is what your time is worth. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because as an entrepreneur, you're on the clock 24-7. That's why you're not paid by the amount of hours you put in. You're paid by what product, what, whatever good or service or product that you put out there. And so when I had that experience of 
being able to see what that tastes like, I said, okay, this is, I know that this is what I want to do. And I know it may not happen today. It may not happen in a year. It may not happen in five years, but eventually that when I, if I'm able to get, reach that goal and set myself up financially toward myself and my family, that allows us to live a life that we want to live and pursue things we want to pursue. Then and only then I'll be like, okay, in this aspect, I consider myself to be successful. And even then, there's always another thing that you can, you know, you don't want to be content. You, there's always something else that you can you can strive for. Mm-hmm. No, because I need the conf- that confidence comes from my whole life. We did this on a podcast where it was like, yo, finish high school, you st- just do that. That's mm-hmm. your goal. When you finish high school, they're like, yo, you got to go through college. Mm-hmm. And then when you go through college, they're like, yo, you don't got a job yet. So you, so you get yeah, that yeah. first job. And then at that point, once you get that first job, no, everyone's just like, damn, like, I guess you can do what you want. Like, mm. like in society, you've won. You know, Go you ahead. You know what, though? Uh, it's funny. I think my mom never giving me recognition or validation feels that. Mm. Okay. She's never, bro, she's never said, oh, good job. I would get A's 97. You're missing three points, mm. you know. So Damn. constantly having that, same. like, is that, a, yeah. is that a Somali mom thing? Because that's for mom, yeah, the exact Somali, same way. I think it's a Somali parent thing. Yeah, yeah. Same. So like, like not not to say that I'm I'm not trying to prove her wrong or anything. I I believe much more in like proving the people that believe in you right, more so than proving. Thank you. More so than proving people that don't believe in you wrong. Like, why would you ever give somebody who's negative a time of day? Mm. I'm I'm the opposite. I'm. I'm like I'm like hell bent on prov- proving people wrong. Why do you give them that much time? It's not time. The time is for me. The mental energy, though. It's not even the mental. Well, I. It's not even the mental energy. It's just because I was gonna talk about this too right after you guys were done. But I'm in a different sort of space where I'm kind of doing it as I go. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm. I'm still working. Like I have a job and I have. A, I have a nine to five Same and here. I've. I've had that since I was like, fucking fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old. Yeah. Um, just being the oldest in my family, I've always worked. Um, back to what he was saying, like, oh, they think oh, people just, we just sit around and have podcasts and talk. Yeah. Like, I pursue a lot of different things. I do a lot of different things. Um, I'm producing a movie right now. I'm an actor, model, gang oh, of other stuff. I right? see it. Uh, the black excellence is shining. hundred percent. But like, I'm still doing it as I go. Like, I've, there's never been a moment where I was like, okay, now I get it. You know, I'm sh- I'm going to stay in this lane. But mm-hmm. now that I'm graduating, um, there's a lot of like people that come up to you and they're like, yo, like, mashallah, you're graduating. Like, what are you going to do next? And then I go, I don't know. Like whatever, whatever comes. And when I say that, it's a lot of like, oh, okay, this guy has no idea what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's lazy. But it's like, no, I'm just doing a gang of different stuff. And like, whatever works out is what works out. Whatever I feel the most passionate about. How do you- but for, and let me finish. Before... But for the majority of my life, there's been a lot of doubt. And there's been a lot of like, as because I've, unlike a lot of other people, I've been an artist almost my entire life. Mm-hmm. I've been making art almost my entire life. And it wasn't really ever a reaction to think something. It wasn't ever like a reaction to trauma or a reaction to, for a lot of people, that's how it is in our community. For me, it was, I love doing this. This is cool. This is dope. Like when I was a kid, it was something I was very interested in. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pursue this. But almost immediately after it was like why do you want to do this do you think you're gonna blow up you think this is ah so i get it i don't necessarily give them the energy of the time of day or anything like that but like that that moment when i get to where i want to get to and i proved a lot of people not even a lot of very specific people wrong (laughs) it's validation it's like i did it and like alhamdulillah i got there and it's like hey everyone has different motivating yeah of course of course what i mean and so i was just gonna ask you like so being that you're involved in so many different things, yeah. how do you personally cope when some when you're not good at something or when something that you had lofty goals for yeah. doesn't pan out the way it does? Or uh, the way you want it to pan out? I'm very competitive. And like, I'm very like, I would say I it pisses me off is the first thing. I'm like, I get frustrated. The very first thing that happens is I get very frustrated. I'm like, this is supposed to work. I put all this time in. I put all this work in. I put all this effort in. And like that usually lasts for maybe two, three days. After that, um, one thing that I learned is like when you do fail, you want to fail forward. So I look at, okay, this is what happened. This is why I failed, whatever it may be. And then I learn from that. And then I just, from that, from day three, I just keep it pushing. It it doesn't necessarily matter anymore. Mm -hmm. It's taken a lot for me to get to that point though, alhamdulillah. I wasn't always like that. 
Previously, if I failed, it affected me deeply because of the validation. I didn't get a lot of validation growing up. Not even a lot. I didn't get any validation growing up. Even now, there's no validation. It's just like, oh, you're graduating? When is your? When are you gonna go? What's the master's? What are you gonna study? Yep. You get your oh, what's up? When are you gonna get your doctorate degree? You got a million dollars. Where's two million dollars? You know, it's just like the goalpost keeps, keeps moving. It, it never ends. It's like never validated. You know, um, but Alhamdulillah, like now it's a point of like, and I and I'm still working on it too. But it's yeah, trying to fail forward and trying to, mm-hmm. you know, when you do, when you do like Mr. Mark is like okay, learn from it as much as you can. But Hamza, like, I mean, so y'all y'all are doing great things with this podcast. Alhamdulillah. And I like the, the kind of openness yeah. that it um, encourages. But like like we were talking about in terms of what is measuring success. Do you feel like, Hamza, like, do you have enough people around your circle that are aspiring to things that are um, things that are accomplishing things that are basically at a level where you aspire to be? And therefore, like, they're able to hold you accountable and they're able to, like, give you the right guidance. Because I think a lot of the times where the complacency comes in is, like, when you are the quote-unquote most successful person in your clique mm-hmm. and you have nobody pushing you, have nobody that's, you know, helping ignite that, like, competitive fire in you. Not even comp- not from a competition standpoint, but just from wanting better for yourself. One of my closest friends, his company just brought in $33 million of revenue this past year. MashaAllah. And I know the amount of work that man has put in, the sacrifice, the dedication. And so when I'm friends with him, I'm like, yo, mashallah, I'm so happy for you. I want to get there. And I know that you have the knowledge and you're willing to help me, give me the guidance. And you provide motivation for me to get there too. Right? So do you feel like that's, do you feel, basically, do you feel like, you can keep yourself accountable if you don't have those people around you. Mm. We talk about this a lot. Yeah. And I like, I like that we talk about this a lot. I think before, before I even answer, I have to like preface like me being a hundred percent honest. Like we grew up on welfare, right? Like we grew up on EBT, right? And so my whole life being in a, in a situation where I'm with a lot of people that are going to field trips because their parents can pay for field trips. Right. Going in a situation where, hey, these kids get to go out for lunch because, and we, we got to stay with free and reduced lunch, right? Yeah. And then coming to a place where now, like my dad, mashallah, is working on his PhD. Mashallah. Right? And then getting to a point where I'm seeing a lot of kids around us that aren't going to get the same opportunities because EBT and stuff, welfare is like really, like it's hard to get into, like once you're in that circle, it's really hard to get out, right? And so it's hard to like, and there's a lot of people that will tell you there's a way out but they cap. There's like a lot of cap in our society. But I feel like there's a lot of cap within our community, right? In a sense, it's just like people will tell you, yo, get this certification and you'll make this much and you're good, mm-hmm. right? So my biggest fear growing up was just, quote unquote, not being successful, right? But just being able to live a life where, yo, my kids would be straight. Yeah. Right? And going towards there and working and building towards that was like one of the most important things in my life. And alhamdulillah, I feel like now I'm content to where I'm at, where I can relay the message of what I've learned and where I've, where I've gone. So that, I think that's like the biggest thing for me. And that is what success is. Man, I got to give you your flowers, man. I got to commend you for that. MashaAllah. MashaAllah. Hamza, Hamza, um, he doesn't toot his own horn enough. We'll say that. We got it. You got it. Uh, we just sit on the top podcast and just kick it. Yeah, we just, <laughs> we just, man, we need yeah. to do a day in our in our lives. A day in the, of, of, of vlog? A vlog so that... But also, I kind of like that, in a way. I'm I've I've never been good at like, which is a good thing. But I never really like cared about what other people think or say or comment. It's just there's a, it's a lot. If you go through like, you'll see stuff like there's people say like, oh these guys have no idea what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And somebody else comes like, yeah, well they're talking about this. And the other person, no, they're not saying shit. They're just talking and then the other person gives them like five words me and this guy just like in the comments just like laughing huh. so it's, it's all very it's all very interesting alhamdulillah and you know we're fasting we just broke our fast the last day of ramadan so hopefully inshallah you know for the for the three of us and for, for hamza and not hamza thunder and uh and ayub hopefully it was it was a good ramadan and benefited a lot from it do you do you think you benefited at least something from it alhamdulillah yeah, yeah. a lot I feel like Ramadan's a good reset. Oh yeah, I always say that. I always reset. say that. 
I I wish every Ramadan was like the it started like January first. That was our first day of the year. Is like Ramadan. That would be amazing. That would be such a vibe. Because I always come out of Ramadan just like on go mode, like just motivated, ready to go, like a lot. Uh, a lot of energy and a lot of like passion for whatever that whatever I'm doing. Do you think you benefited from from this Ramadan? Um, I you you always feel like you could have done more. Yeah, you always feel like you left some stuff on the table. I think Ramadan traditionally for me, it's like it's the it shows what we are capable of mm-hmm. when our mind is right. It allows us to tap in and see that you have a thirty day window of what your true potential could be when it comes to. Um, how connected you are with Allah. Because you see yourself being able to read so much more Quran than you would during the rest of the months and praying and, and functioning on two, three hours of sleep and not eating throughout the day. And you're just like, wow, like I I was able to do that through the mercy of Allah. And it just, it always, for me, it always, I always ask myself the question like, yo, what's stopping me from making that a regular? And then mm-hmm. when Ramadan comes, super same mood right facts so your your iman it all you want it to be like a successful a successful like business chart where you go up and down up and down but like when you look at it your your down is higher than your previous mm-hmm. high and then you go up and then you down but that, that that low is higher than that previous high and so on and so forth so that's that's the way i always try to look at ramadan it's like how do i make the lows as high as possible as high as possible compared to the previous Mashallah. Yes. This is an amazing podcast. Uh, I had a lot of fun. Incredible. I had a blast. Um so we usually we usually end with this, um, and we do it with all of our, our guests. So inshallah in a year's time, on uh, around May first, twenty twenty three, inshallah. Um well we'll love to have you back on the show uh, as hey. a guest. Um maybe even before that. Count me in, man. I'm honored. Um, and by then, inshallah, we'll be in a different place. Um Hopefully a studio by then. Maybe we'll have a sound person. A makeup artist. <laughs> a makeup artist. Um, somebody that is dedicated to beards. So if you have a beard, they just groom your beard. <laughs> just groom it. The entire time. You got um, hey, the pro- You have to have the right products. Man. All, the, all the prophetic elegance. Tap into my man Hanif. Prophetic Tap elegance. Tap in with prophetic elegance. Um, if you're trying to grow a beard or if you already have a beard. Yep. And you wanna you wanna groom it. Big shout out, big shout out to my guy. Um, but inshallah, so what are you looking forward to in a year? What sort of goals and ambitions do you have um, in a year's time, and where do you see yourself? I see myself continuing to accomplish the goals that I've set. Um, continuing to have more patience in life. I think that's something that I I have to get better at is having more patience and focusing on controlling the things that I can control. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times I get antsy when I try to control things that are out of my circle of influence, right? And I guess it's, I'm the firstborn like you. So it's just we're natural leaders. We naturally, you know, we just are driven to do things our way and just take command. And so I think I have to, hopefully, in, in a year from now, I'm in a place where like not having uh, or being more content with with things when they don't go my way and understand like as long as I put in the maximum effort, I could sleep good at night and be like, all right, man, I, I at the very least, I know that I left everything on the table and I can live with the result. MashaAllah. Amazing. We're going to go and uh, break our fast. Inshallah. For all of our viewers, we hope that, you know, by the time this comes out, it's probably going to be a couple weeks after Ramadan, but we hope that Ramadan, you know, was a blessed month for y'all and um, hopefully we all make it to the next Ramadan, inshallah. What I want to see from you oh, okay. in a year, mm-hmm. I'm putting this okay, on I like camera. This. I like this. <laughs> I want to see this guy do some stand-up comedy. <laughs> I'll I'm, do I it. I like this. I'll do it. Now we, I got now I got what four people that are gonna hold me accountable to that. Hey, inshallah. if you need some pointers, I got you. I'm. Let's we'll do definitely it. We'll fly out to you. Like if we could fly out to you and just hopefully like, you guys have a lot of you guys have a lot of for sure, man. We can too. make it happen. But. He's yeah. loving this. He's no, loving the thing this. Is, this man is probably like one thing is well, I like. I feel like we don't give you enough flowers, right? This man is probably one of the most hardworking individuals I've ever met, especially at his age, right? Mm-hmm. One thing about him is that regardless of what profession you do, 
Yeah. With a few YouTube searches, he feels like he could do it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's my, what's it, the TikTok, that's my toxic trait. Right. <laughs> my toxic trait is I can do everything. Everything, <laughs> right? To a point of like, yo, like you'll like you'll be sh- you'll be shocked at what he can do, right? So we'll have issues with like our clips or whatever, and they're like, "What do I have clips? Come, what does not can't be that hard to make clips?" And they're like, "Bro, like it takes several hours to learn." Da, da, da. And like within two days, like this guy will start outputting clips, out just boom, 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 boom. We're like, "Damn, okay, hey, what else you got?" So I really want to see you do it, just in the fact that just I know you can, right? Shop. And also, I love seeing when you get humbled. I'll just another <laughs> another mo- another motivating factor. That's for good you. though. You need friends. You need friends and people in your life that like are like. I love it when you get humbled because like you need you need to be humbled a few times in your Absolutely. life. And that's important. You can't have yes men around you. That's no. That's that's. Don't a big, worry about it. I'll have the flowers with on one hand and I'll have the tomatoes on the other. <laughs> of course. <laughs> two two friends for the price of one. <laughs> no right. Inshallah, inshallah. Hey, think, also one yeah. last shout out. Big shout out to our videographer, Thunder. Um, so he started, a bi- we already had this business, but now he has a website oh. and, and his Instagram is up and everything. So make sure y'all go and book him once this episode comes out. Hey, so uh, what's his, what's the, his IG? Uh, Thunder, Thunder Flicks, right? Thunder Visuals. Oh, Thunder Visuals. Thunder uh, his website visuals. is dot com. thundervisuals.com. Mm-hmm. He's the, in my opinion, the coldest photographer slash videographer, app. not in the app, in the world. Um we're not competing with Minneapolis. We're competing with the world, man. Um, but yeah, if you have a baby shower, if you have a wedding, if you have... But who says the app doesn't have the most talented individuals in the world? He, if you have... If we're going to finish our Thunder commercial, we're not going to have this <laughs> conversation right now. Hey, man. If you need product all of that, go hit them up. That's the end of this episode. Again, well, I thank you so much for coming out. Hey, we and shout out you. to you for really making this happen. Big shout out to you too. Big bro. You're leaving us too. We gotta have a podcast. He's doing like, hey, hey, he's doing like LeBron. You know, going back to Ohio. I'm coming home.